Hi, my name is Suzanne and I'm your host for Crosstalk, Heroes Above the Noise. The EMC Society podcast that discusses interesting topics on electromagnetic compatibility to our technical community. In this issue, we will talk with Karen Burnham, newly elected Vice President for Standards. In her regular day job, she's a principal scientist with electromagnetic implications. Welcome, Karen. It's so great having you here on the podcast. Thank you so much for inviting me. Karen, standards are known for many who are involved with bringing a product to the market. They need to fulfill certain technical parameters to get the product on the market. Others may as well know the standards through their work as test engineer conducting the tests in the test house or a test chamber. So questioning you right now, how is your work as BP standards different to that? Right. So basically all those standards are, um, are created by you know, normal working engineers. And in fact, later on, we'll talk about how um, folks listening to this who are interested can be part of that process. Now, as vice president of standards, what I need to do is keep an eye on all the standards that are either under development or are up for review or renewal. I want to be uh, interfacing with the IEEE Standards Association, which is the IEEE body that publishes all the standards, does all the, you know, the official reviews, does the balloting. And basically, so it's a it's a coordination activity. It's making sure that none of the standards get stuck. It's because sometimes, you know, these long development cycles, it can be a little hard to keep the momentum going for the, the amount of time that it takes. But that's really my role that I see as Vice President of Standards in terms of the actual development. And then I feel like my other role is being a cheerleader, if that makes sense. It's um, encouraging people to be part of the process, getting the word out about how that can happen, trying to get more people into the process so that the standards working groups can be more successful. I see. Yeah, that's absolutely super. What are IEEE EMC standards you're currently working on? And what does it mean working on the standards? Right. There are a number that are under development right now. And probably this isn't necessarily the best place to, to get into um, each standard one by one, because I think there's at least a dozen that are currently being worked on. But what being worked on means in quotes uh, depends on whether you're looking at a new standard so one of the ones i'm involved in is uh, called p2855 and it's how to characterize cable and connector assemblies for um, shielding effectiveness from mm -hmm. dc all the way to 40 gigahertz that standard has a very um, you know complicated area that it's trying to tackle and then there are other standards For instance, I think P473, which is on site characterization, mm -hmm. radiated testing, that's in a renewal process. So it's a standard that had previously public, been published but needs to be updated. But in either case, a working group is formed. And the most important thing to know about the working groups is for one, that's where, you know, the, all the technical work gets done. So that's where, you know, people come together, they uh, draft the words, they get to a point where everybody, or at least, um, let's see, it has to be at least two thirds of the working group uh, has to approve of the language that moves forward to be voted on. And so the other thing to know is that to be a member of a working group, you do not have to be an IEEE member, you do not have to be an EMC Society member, you do not have to be an IEEE Standards Association member. Working groups are basically open to everybody. And so I hope people understand that the 
barrier to entry for the working groups where the important stuff gets done is very low. And it's even lower in our post-pandemic era uh, because most of these working groups are meeting online instead of in person. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that would be one of my other questions. Um, are those working groups international and how do they cope with the time change? <laughs> <laughs> so they are definitely international and the time change is very challenging. <laughs> I imagine. Um, so some of them, you know, sort of try and, and um, split the difference. You know, I think the most challenging is when you have participants from both Asia and Europe. Because in North America, you can either meet really late, which is okay for Asia, or really early, which is okay for Europe, but getting Europe and Asia at the same time, that's the trick. Different bodies deal with this differently. Sometimes they'll have, you know, one monthly meeting early and one monthly meeting late and sort of split it up that way. But it's really up to the working group chair to to try and strike that balance. But yes, they are they are all international, at least in within the IEEE EMC society. Mm -hmm. Okay, and how can people join? So how... Um will people know about that there is a standard being in development or another one uh, is being updated? So this is one place where being an IEEE member is um, a benefit uh, because when a new standard is started, the IEEE will actually send out a blast email that calls for participation. So if you're not sort of already plugged into the network, that's one of the first ways that you can find out. So they'll, uh, when new working groups being formed, the call for participation will go out and people can join that meeting and sort of be in on the ground floor. Another way, for one, obviously, people who have industry contacts, when they hear, you know, the uh, standard that is relevant to them or their product or their test house, you know, a lot of times they'll hear just from uh, industry contacts what's under development. The other thing is that for people who go to the big EMC conferences, either um, EMC Europe or the EMC Symposium that's um, often but not always in North America in the summer, we usually have something called Standards Week there. We encourage all the working groups to have at least one meeting as part of that conference. And we also have, you know, dedicated sessions that go over exactly what's under development and, you know, where uh, help is needed. So that's another great place to learn about what's going on. Yeah. Oh, and let me add that when you want to be part of a working group, especially if it's already had a couple meetings, uh, the most important thing you need to do is find out who the working group chair is and contact them. And if you don't already know that information, please get in touch with me and I can help you find that out. Cool. Super. I think that's an important tip. Right. Um, so you talked about the Standards Week. Will there be a Standards Week during the 2023 IEEE International Symposium on EMC and SIPI in Grand Rapids? And if so, what's to be expected? Yeah, absolutely. So we try and have, a, um, again, a very active presence as part of the EMC Symposium. And that's really because it's one of the only times that, you know, we get all these people together in the same room. Um, a couple things to really keep an eye out for. For one, like I said, to my mind, really the most important thing for any working engineer is to look at what working groups are meeting and if any of them are working on things that are directly uh, relevant to your industry. Because we really need practitioners, people who know how these things play out on the ground uh, to be part of the process. Otherwise, sometimes it's a little easy for uh, a more academic perspective to creep into the standards and that can make it a little harder to actually execute to them uh, for the people who have to you know abide by them but there are two other committees to keep an eye on and they always meet during the symposium they also have some online meetings during the year 
Uh, the first is SDECOM, that's Standards Development Education Committee. SDECOM really, again, along with myself as VP of Standards, helps manage the process. So when a new standard uh, is being proposed, that committee uh, looks over the proposal, sees if it uh, is technically appropriate to move forward, helps interface with the IEEE Standards Association, and also, again, is the one that actually puts together the educational efforts. So for instance, we have training for people who are or want to be working group chairs. We have overviews of the process that are uh, given by our IEEE Standards Association contacts. It's, it's really that kind of thing. The other thing, the SACCOM, so that's Standards Advisory and Coordination Committee. Now, this is kind of fascinating because SACCOM looks outside of the IEEE EMC Society. Because EMC is such a small community, right? A lot of people will sit on multiple standards committees. So we have people in SATCOM who represent what's going on in, for instance, ANSI C63 standards, which are specifically American, or CISPR, we've got a representative from, that's on CISPR A, we have a representative that's on CISPR D, you know, and go down the line for all the CISPR standards, mm -hmm. similarly people involved in ISO. So because the IEEE is not the only people writing EMC standards, uh, we want to be aware and sort of coordinate. We want to make sure, for instance, that CISPR and uh, ANSI aren't going in completely opposite directions, right? Because that would be a nightmare for, for uh, product development engineers. Absolutely, yeah. So these kind of meetings really help give a more international and more complete overview of where the overall industry standards are going. And again, these meetings are all open to the public. Uh, even if you're not a member of the committee, you can always sit in these meetings and probably learn quite a bit. I think so. I imagine. That's wonderful. That's great. And uh, are those meetings as well held during the 2023 EMC and CIPI Symposium? Yes, definitely. Wonderful. So mark your calendars and yeah, find out about the program, which is being released very soon. Okay, cool. Uh, there is one other topic that I'd like to sort of re-emphasize because I know we discussed this a little bit when you were introducing the new cadre of vice presidents, mm -hmm. but I really just want to emphasize how much we need normal everyday working engineers to be part of this process. You don't have to have 40 years of experience. Uh, standards are not handed down from on high. People who are working day in and day out with products that either have to meet these standards or test houses that have to test these standards, we need your voices too. And, you know, even coming in as a young professional, coming in with somebody, you know, very early in your career, I really encourage you to get involved in the standards process. Um, you'll learn a lot. And then as you, you know, advance in your career, then you can take on more leadership opportunities in these uh, standards development activities, which is good for both, you know, what you can contribute to your industry. And then also, you know, it, it is a resume builder, right? It's something that, uh, you know, when you can put those kind of, I was the secretary of a working group that created a, an IEEE standard that, that kind of stands out. And again, if you don't know the process, if you don't know all the people to talk to, uh, please go ahead and find me at the symposium or contact me over email and I will be happy to help. Karen, it's been a pleasure having you here. Many thanks for your insights and encouraging words to participate in the standards process. Thank you so much for having me. And if you wish to learn more about EMC and get the latest input from science and the industry, sign up for Questac. Here is Above the Noise. <laughs>